Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm my chip ups, man. I got this, yeah. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are back, ready at it again. I had a perfect sleep last weekend. Danny, as mentioned on ankle uh, on set the spread, also had a perfect sweep last weekend. So a lot of money flowing. I actually bought a new pair of sweatpants with the green. We also have Kobe here. The usual. We might get a late surprise with Parker. Uh, although I went, I went two for two last week. Also two for two. There you go. Not two and two, ladies. Two for two. And Parker might surprise us coming up next week or coming up uh, late anytime. Yeah. I doubt it, though. I doubt it, though. Um, so we're going to continue what we did last week with the storylines because I love getting their opinions on everything and just kind of mucking it around a little bit with the boys. So we'll start it off, Danny, pink slips. Uh, it's something that was on my mind most of the night because there were a lot of guys who were either on skids or underperforming. And they, they were on this card, and I, I wanted – I'm going to list a couple names. And, and, Kobe, this is for you too. I'm going to list a couple names that I believe might be getting pink slips. And I want to hear what you guys think of it all. So I'm going to start off with Luke Sanders. Got a loss against Felipe Colares, who, Danny, you uh, bet, and you actually got me to tail as well. So thank you. You went into my perfect sweep, or you helped play into the perfect sweep at least. Curtain so, jerkers are my specialty, babe. For, Curtain jerkers are your specialty. That is a a uh, foreshadow. Put that on a T-shirt. We need no. We need we need to start getting the merch going. But that is a foreshadow for what is to come as far as expectations on fights go. But with that being said, Luke Sanders, we've seen this story again and again and again and again, where he comes out hot, looks good, fades late. Luke Sanders, Luke Sanders now is in the UFC. He is he had a win in his first fight out, blew a loss to Ariel Contra, blew a lot blue or blew a win to Ariel Contra, blew a win to Andre Sukumtat, lost to Rony Yaya in a minute, lost to lost to Nate Manas via rear naked choke, and now just lost to Felipe Colares. Is there any way he comes back for another fight? I don't see it. I mean, it was exactly what you and I talked about last yeah. week. He came out early. He gassed. It, it was over then. Um, Claris is just too technical and too well-rounded of a guy to do that against. Also, as a chin of granite, my gosh. he was, And that's the thing about Luke Sanders is, like, I think that when he's performing in the first round, he is a UFC caliber fighter. He shows glimpses of, like, wow, this guy is talented. He's down to scrap. And then I don't know what happens. I, he fades. He makes mental lapses, but I think it would be almost impossible for him to get another fight in the UFC. Dana's strict on this stuff. He's talking about, and he's always wanting to cut the roster. I see this one falling that way. Next one up that I was thinking, you know, I don't know. I don't know how he got in here in the first place, but KB Bilar, you, you said it last week that you, you like Nicolaitis there. KB Bilar comes in. 7-0, but his resume was really not impressive. It was a bunch of random people. I mean, just – you could have got someone from the stands. Comes into the UFC, drops two right away. 
One in the first round of Tom Breeze via KO minute in, and the other one last Saturday against Michaelitis by unanimous decision. But I, I didn't see any glimpses of Bilar that made me think that he was even in the UFC caliber. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This was this was one I really wish I had played. Uh, Michaelitis looked tough as nails, and he looks yeah. like a guy that uh, definitely has a future in the UFC and is a UFC-level talent. I just can't say the same for the guy staring at him across the cage. I agree. And you could see it. I know the commentators are talking about it. Crazy dispar- disparity in speed and, and just how technical strikers they are. Another, I also want to talk about Luma quickly as I'm moving up this card with my eyes. Danny mentioned last week on the pod when I mentioned I was going to hammer Luma or Loma that she is a natural atom weight. And for those watching the, the, all, the full fight card last week, I had a lot of money on Loma. And Sam Hughes, although she did win by unanimous decision, that is Loma, you could tell that she's a natural atom weight, which the UFC doesn't have. She looks small in there, not only height, but strength as well. She, for someone who has phenomenal Muay Thai, when you don't, even if you're technically sound, when you just don't have the strength, those battles in the clinch become harder. And, and I felt like it was tough for her to utilize her game. And I thought the decision would go either way. I felt blessed that it went in Loma's decision. I, I'm never laying the 400 on her again as, far, as long as the size disparity is that big. Yeah, definitely. And, and especially in the grappling department, it felt like Sam Hughes was able to t- get takedowns almost at will from that clinch position. Yeah, um, which is which is nervous. I mean, if you're late, like you said, women's MMA seemingly becomes more and more dog or pass. I mean, definitely. I thought I laid 400 and it would be the easiest decision of all time. And I was sweating like crazy. I had her in a parlay. I had her straight. It was an, it was it, if it didn't go my way, it would have been impossible to get out of the red. OK, back to the cut list, because this is there's another guy that I just. I know the podcast has lost money on once, but now he's one and two in the UFC fighting at featherweight seemingly is a little bit undersized, but not, not strength wise, more just wingspan and stuff. And he's a striker Kai Kamaka. He's dropped two fights in a row as the favorite one against Jonathan Pierce, which I believe I lost money on the first time around. And now to TJ Brown via split decision. Yeah, this was, this was one on my notes last week. I had lean TJ Brown just because of his grappling ability and James Krause's game plan. Um, but I think you're right on it. it. It's it's tough to keep your job if, if you're not going to get into the win column. And it's, especially Jonathan Pierce, TJ Brown, I don't see those guys as title That's what contenders. I'm it's it's That's not what like I'm I know. not like Kai Kamaka's losing to killers out here. You know I love my Hawaiian fighters, but I don't know if there's a serious future for him. My guess is he's more likely to keep his job than the other two, than Bular and, and Sanders. I think there's no scenario Sanders gets another fight in the UFC. If that happens, Uncle Dana's gone soft. I, I would be shocked. KB Bular, I think if he does have another shot, it would be his last one, and I'd probably, unless he's facing just an – unless he's facing CM Punk, it's probably a fade for me. And then Kai Kamaka, you, he shows gl- small glimpses where you're like, oh, this guy actually is a talented, hard-hitting technical striker. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, now he's down 
20 to 18 going into the third round of the underdog. Like it, it, I don't understand how, <laughs> is it a volume issue? Is it a, is it a I, Kai Kamaka puzzles me, but he just dropped to eight and four now in, in his MMA career. And that, that's hard to see. And especially with Dana trying to trim the fat off the roster because it got, it's because it ballooned during the COVID era. I think those were the three pink slips that really caught my eye. Looks like a unanimous panel agreement. Okay. Yep. That brings us to the main card. And the main card is a couple of storylines that I want to talk about. The first one and the most, I think the one that I've seen talked about the most in on, on in the media and just online, mainly Twitter, and we're very uh, present at, at Ankle Pick Pod, if you don't follow us already. But the Georgian, the Georgian sensation, Marab Davalishvili got a five-round decision or a three-round decision, but a unanimous decision over Cody Stamen, who not that long ago was a guy that people were thinking is in the running for a potential not necessarily title shot, but, but he was a ranked fighter. I mean, a top, I believe he even creeped into the top 10 at one point when he was right before he fought Jimmy Rivera, he fought Aljamain Sterling guys like that. So he's had a couple runs and so he's no slouch and Marab rolled through him again, 30, 27 unanimous across the board. I think one judge at 29, 28. And then Giga Jakazi knocked Cub Swanson the fuck out. He uh, TKO'd him with a body shot right to the liver Cub Swanson curled over. And from there it was blood in the water. So Danny, you're a guy who loves prospects more than a priest loves children. (laughs) (laughs) These two Georgians, two questions I have for you. One, are they the real deal? Are they potential title challengers in the future? Two, who would you like if you have any names off the top of your head for them to fight next? And Kobe, you're, you're in on this as well. If you see either of these guys becoming potential title challengers, because I know where I stand on that as far as which one has a higher likelihood of having a dominant career in the UFC. But I'm curious because these, these two Georgian fighters are, are making names and they're, and they're performing well. And I, I want to know where you guys think they're going to go from here. So I've got a pretty interesting take here. Um, I think that Marab is the better prospect. We talked about it a lot, and I think Tony solidified it. His wrestling and his cardio is just the best base for MMA that you can actually ask for. Uh, he dictates where every fight goes, where where every round goes, really, even. But I look at these divisions, and I almost think that there's a better chance for Giga to see a title shot and get through 145 than I see for Marab to get through 135. Somebody's going to have to fight Piotr once he gets that belt back. Right, right, which no one wants. So and even, even getting through Eljo, who's a fantastic grappler in his own right, who trains with Marab day in, day out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I almost see that as the bigger hole. I mean, not as the bigger hurdle than Piotr, but – he has to get through Aljo before Piotr, in my opinion. I don't see Marab getting a, a title shot while Aljo still has the belt. I, I think Piotr's going to take that from him sooner than later. And then Marab's got to get through Aljo. I agree with that. I do. I think that 45, where it sits right now. But the thing is, is I think, like you said, and, and here's my big argument for it and why I'm I, my answer is Marab, is two things. One, 
I don't think there's a better foundation than what Marab had. Unbelievable cardio, never gasses out, heart of a champion, phenomenal grappling. That's one. Two, 45ers put Giga against a guy like Calvin Cater. Put Giga against a guy like Zabit. Put Giga – like, there's a lot of phenomenal kickboxers and strikers at, at 45. Where Zabit it's almost removed like a, from the rankings due to inactivity, by the way. We'll get to news and notes, yeah. but that was one I didn't have written down. And it's sad because I'm a huge Zabit fan. Oh, uh, he'll be at the rankings right now, and he is not there due to inactivity. Once, once he finally fights again, it'll be a it'll be a rocket to the moon propelling him up the rankings. But but it it, it begs the question: 35ers are all wrestlers. 45ers, a lot of them, the high, the top of the line, other than Volkanovski, are, are phenomenal strikers. It seems like both of them are kind of stylistically fitting into that group. I just think Giga has more avenues to be beat. But I think both of them will be ranked fighters and, and will have a mainstay in the UFC for sure. Definitely. I just the Georgian think that invasion I, is here. The Georgian invasion is here. I just think that if one of them were to grab gold, I would be putting my money on on Marab. Guram Kutate Ladze. You heard it here first. <laughs> We've heard it here multiple times here. But uh, I, these Georgians are taking over. It's the new Russian wave. Okay. So just to – so Giga – yeah, uh, body kick, Marab. Okay, Sean Strickland came off that win against Jack uh, Marshman, pieced him up, and now he fought – a Christoph Joku to decision. I had that in parlays. It was minus 260, so it wasn't that crazy. It wasn't that big of like a, a shock to anybody. But I'm impressed with Sean Strickland, and I want to ask you this. Who does he have next? And I know I didn't set you up for this question, but Sean Strickland is seeming to be one of the better boxers in the division 85 is somewhat top heavy and it's hard to really pin him because of his long layoff after the motorcycle accident is jack or manson edmund shabazi in next week yes sir i like the winner of that with sean strickland Ooh, serious? what about a kevin holland Ooh, i like both of those i mean he beat brendan allen who i think is a ranked middleweight for sure i think he's a high level middleweight beat joe joku who or Jocko, who, although he has some bad losses, like the I know the Uriah Hall one bothered me because he had the first round and faded. But <clears throat> he's still a talented fighter nonetheless. So I'm impressed with Sean Strickland. But there's a big jump from Jocko to any of those guys we just named. So that's why I like both of those matchups. I think. Or you give him an aging Uriah Hall. I think that's a good matchup too. Do that too. Except I don't think the aging Uriah Hall helps in any. I think that he's ranked ahead of him. You've got Uriah Hall sitting at eight. No, he is ranked ahead of him. But is that who would you? Who do you think is a tougher test, Brendan Allen or Uriah Hall? I mean, like I feel like it's. I I think Strickland deserves a name, but I'm really. Kevin Holland does bring the name. Is Kevin Holland ranked still at middleweight after dropping? He's, those he's ranked number 13. So currently behind Sean Strickland as he just moved up four spots, but Kevin Holland's a name. He just made himself. I yeah. mean, he won fighter of the year by in a lot of different, um, whatever 
magazines, journalism websites. Yeah. Hmm. I you know what? I, I think an aging Uriah Hall is a is a really good matchup for him. I think so it's Brunson or Manson? No, Shabazian or, or Manson. Shabazian. I you know, I don't hate winner that. I also don't even hate loser that for him. I think the loser of that for Strickland also would be a fine matchup. I think Strickland would have a tougher time against a guy. I think Strickland Shabazi would be a great fight. I would enjoy the shit out of that. But nevertheless, it, that middleweight division is definitely leaning towards the top heavy. But it, I, it's something that I wanted to mention because I know I think the family rode Sean Strickland there. So Kudalaba fought to a draw, 10-8 decision, kind of faded against us and Jacoby, nothing crazy. Main event, Dom Cruz, Jerry Prohaska. The third spinning race. What I say, Dom Cruz? Yeah. I always say Dom Cruz. Dominic Reyes, Yuri Prohaska. The third spinning back elbow in UFC history to get a finish. We all were on Prohaska. It actually was Kobe's biggest UFC win to cash to date. To date. Gentlemen, no question here. More just thoughts. Yeah. We started to have this conversation. I don't want to turn this attention away from your Yuri, but convince me that that's not the knockout of the year. I know Danny's on Sandhagen, and I don't want to get into the Sandhagen recap, but that was such an electric finish. It's been a long time since I jumped out of my seat and screamed at the end of a fight, and that definitely got me doing that. I'm in your camp with that. I think that went the rarity – I. The rarity of the spinning back elbow to just just to slump somebody like that, who's an absolute gamer and killer. I know Danny is adamant that it's Sandhagen's knee because of the timing and flushness and on the guy it was against. But I'm with you, Kobe. I, if I'm voting, if I'm on a panel, I'm giving it to to Jerry Prosco. Yeah, and I guess I'm the I'm the only one in the other camp. For me, that Sandhagen on Frank Yeager was just as perfect as a knee gets. I mean, you're talking 135ers. These guys don't get knocked out easy. We're not, these aren't light heavyweights where there's a knockout every other fight. Uh, it, it couldn't have been more perfect. It, it couldn't have been, it wasn't telegraphed. I mean, Frankie Edgar wasn't even shooting like for a takedown a la, I mean, the Moss of it all, Askren This was just Corey Sandhagen with a absolute sniper rifle of a flying knee landing perfectly, no follow-up shots, just boom, we're done. Like a Chris Kyle precision. All this really tells me is that we've been spoiled this year. That's what really tells me. We've been spoiled this year because we're not even halfway through the year and we're already talking about right, I, potentially I two of the best knockouts I've ever seen. Maybe the answer is let's see how it ages. We're still caught up in the moment of the year and I'm, I'm uh, sure it's not going to age poorly, but like, you know, we can, we can, I don't know, man. Dom Reyes is an, is an absolute killer. And that elbow was an elbow from hell. And Tom Reyes kept coming back and firing. Like, he was getting hit hard and kept firing back at him. It was a hell of a fight even before the knockout. Which So, I guess the only other really good trend – I mean, everyone saw this fight. The, the highlights been flying around social media. I'm going to pose this question. It's a question that's seemingly familiar. What's next for both these guys? I know for Prohaska, it seems like it's, it's winner of Glover v. Jan. It seems yep. like that's the unanimous decision for, for Yuri, which is shocking coming off. I think Jada said that, so we're just expecting that at this point. Which I think is almost a little unfair 
it shows how weak light heavyweight is because he's literally has what two UFC fights now, and he's getting a title shot. You don't see that often. But what do you like for Dom Reyes here? I've got a I've got a special fight in mind for Dom Reyes. I think that he deserves Anthony Smith. Two guys who had their best fight of their career. I said that in quotes for you podcast listeners uh, against John Jones, and then really haven't been the same since. I agree. I think I, I, I like that one for him. Let me pose a counter to that, which I think stylistically would be fit crazy. Johnny Walker, Dom Reyes. Wow. Right. That's fireworks. Right. That's I just saw, fireworks. I saw that. Put that on any pay-per-view. You have my money. Give me my money. Take no it out. Just take it. That is a, I think that matchup works perfectly. I think, I don't know if, I think Reyes would probably want to fight like that too. It would be a good, because Johnny Walker, we all agreed, isn't really the guy we thought he was. He's still a top 10 ranked light heavyweight, I mean, light, which is light, wild right now. Light heavyweights is re, are yeah. really hurting. How about a couple of guys that are on a skid and put Dom Reyes with Tiago Santos? Yeah, wouldn't be bad I either. I agree, but, but I don't know if Dom, Dom Reyes deserves that right now. He's dropped, what, three straight now? And he's going to I mean, Tiago Santos is coming off three L's. I mean, there's similar yeah. odds. It's John Jones, Glover, Shara, and Rakic for Tiago Santos. Mm. Oh, and then that's – okay, where do you put Rakic in all this? I think Rakic should fight Prohoshka for the title chance. That's what I think. I think that's a fantastic fight. Because Prohoshka's only fought twice in the UFC, and he's already getting a title shot. And Rakic, other than a very sus split decision over Volkan, he hasn't lost a fight in the UFC, I don't believe. So, a lot can be done with light heavyweight, but man, does it taper off with 15 being Jamail Hill, 14 being Paul Craig, and 12 being Misha Serkinov, who can't win shit to save shit. You get quite the Even Ryan Span presence at the top of the light heavyweight. Stop. I refuse to mention Ryan Span on this podcast. I, I, he is so bad. <laughs> and he's 11th ranked UFC light heavyweight. And then what also is weird is Dana's trimming the division. Or trimming the UFC roster, and he's trimming light heavyweights. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I mean, whatever. It is what it is. I'm not saying JDS is the right decision, especially because he was fighting at heavyweight for a while. And Yoel at 205 is more interesting than half that roster, but it is what it is. With that being said, I, I think that does a pretty good job recapping the card. Danny had a clean sweep. Kobe had a clean sweep. Myself, I had a clean sweep. Phenomenal card all wrong with another blessing of a knockout. Let's go to news and notes. I know Danny prefaced one with Zabit being unranked due to inactivity. What else do we got shooting around the MMA Twitter, Twitter sphere world and, and news world? Uh, the first thing was to Kobe and I's disappointment uh, because of a Nate Diaz injury, his fight versus Leon Edwards. That was supposed to be next week, UFC 262. In Houston, Texas is postponed. Uh, I think they're really just moving it to 263 in Albuquerque or Phoenix. Phoenix, Talking Stick. Phoenix. Um, Glendale, not Talking Stick. Maybe it's still Talking Stick. It's Glendale, yeah, Phoenix. And then besides that, we have the ongoing story, the breaking news. Um, Diego Sanchez, who was originally supposed to headline this card with Cowboy Cerrone, 
is going through some kind of event or, or saga with the UFC in this moment. He's currently cut. He's fearing for his life. Uh, apparently, he knows some things that he, sh- he shouldn't know or he's telling people things he shouldn't. Um, Cowboy, Cowboy was quoted saying he pissed off the wrong people. Who really knows at this point? If Let me put it this way. I'm not a guy who believes in all that conspiracy theory, theory bullshit. But if Diego Sanchez winds up dead, we are going to have some crazy-ass shit going on. Because Diego Sanchez, I've always said, is out of his goddamn mind. And you could make an entire video series that's five hours long of just crazy shit he said or done or acted that makes zero sense. But if this man just winds up gone because of some shit he knows about Dana or the Fertitas or the UFC or whatever the fuck, I might get out of media for good. I, I'm not trying to get clipped over no drama. I mean, this man won the Ultimate Fighter 1. <laughs> the very yeah. first Ultimate Fighter. If, if CTE is real, don't get it twisted. He is case study of it. Him and Tony Ferguson, dude. <laughs> Tony, here's people on the walls. Any other this news? Not here in Josh Fabia. No, that's all I've got. We'll get into it, but the the you know how this card shaped out. We got some drama and just who ended up who's fighting Cerrone, and we'll get there at the. Okay, the one thing too for me, I tweeted this for those who follow us, but also just something that I would be remiss if I didn't add. Both LFA. And Bellator have really good cards this weekend. Tomorrow, or not LFA, PFL. Tomorrow's PFL, and Fabricio Verdum is headlining that card, which is just pretty awesome. By and Cavallo. Then, mentioned on Set the Spread, Muhammad Usman. Kamaru Usman's scarier older brother is also on that card as a heavy favorite. Heavyweight, right? Or is he light heavy? Light heavyweight. But Get so, him in the division. Justin yeah. Willis ex-UFC fighter on, on, on that card as well. And then you move over to the Bellator card and the list of high-level pay-per-view quality fights is, is top to bottom over there. Juan Archuleta, I believe, is defending his title against Sergio Pettis. Anthony Johnson is fighting. That was supposed to be O.L. Romero, but still, it's always fun to see him back in action. You got guys like Michael Venom Page is fighting. Uh, Pipple Frey is fighting. Who else you got? Lorenz, Lorenz Larkin for those old time UFC vets, he's fighting. So that's another card. So we're, we're, we're really spoiled this weekend with fight cards, but something I wanted to mention, I know we primarily focus on the UFC over here, but both Bellator and PFL are having phenomenal cards this weekend. Okay. Let's, let's just get to the business. Let's get to the brass tacks. This week's UFC card, a lot of scratches, a lot of changes, a lot of fight cancellations, the whole nine yards. This, when I say this card, this truly is the headline for this card. It is Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Waterson, UFC Vegas 26. Let's start off from the bottom as usual, boys. This card starts, this one's a tad earlier. For those wondering, this one is uh, 4 p.m. Central Time. So kicking it off is our actually our ankle lock of the week. Danny, Carlston Harris versus Christian Aguilera, we're taking Carlton Harris here. here. Uh, Carlton Harris here, minus one fifty-five against Christian Aguilera. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. 
curtain jerker, hot prospect making his debut. On the other side of him, you got Aguilera, who is a, a brown belt jujitsu, who's also a good technical boxer. Um, but that's really all I see from him. Harris is an absolute killer. Uh, making his debut, as I said, he's a fantastic wrangler, wrestler. Got that uh, wet blanket, Islam Makachev, top pressure. He'll be looking for subs the entire 15 minutes, and I wouldn't be surprised if he finds one. Um, minus 155 is a great price for him. That's the price you're going to see on my card, and I wouldn't be surprised if I sprinkle by sub a little bit to get my night started. Hot. Yeah, I – me and Danny talk about these beforehand, so I pretty much would echo everything he's saying. The thing that really attracted me, he did mention off the cuff, was the price. 155 155 was shocking to me when I saw it, and it actually opened as low as minus 135, which is even more shocking. So that's just Vegas might not having the right read on on the right prospects, so it's a good chance to take advantage of. I mean, he's a prospect that has wins over Wellington Terman and Michelle Pereira on the regional scene. And I really like Wellington Terman. Michelle Pereira Pereira I like too, but he – can lose just due to being flashy but but both notable wins for sure so no slouch and minus 155 is a cheap price so get in before vegas readjusts moving up the fight card we got jung jung young park i think he, he's got an amazing nickname like the upside down turtle or some shit verse the iron turtle the iron turtle versus tefan chukwi who is literally a slab of muscle and the line on that guy is Chukwi minus 140, Young Park plus 120. This one's a tough one for me. Tefan, we know the Don is going to come in throwing heavy hands, looking for a quick KO. Reset, he's a slab of meat. The guy has got, I mean, an Nganu build. Um, yeah. If he doesn't get that KO, that's when things get dicey for him. He, he's not super well-rounded. He relies on his strength and not his technique to get him out of shitty positions. I think that if Park can survive five minutes, he should have the advantage. He's, he's a lot more well-rounded, decent striker, decent grappler. I just don't see that uh, there's a play here for me. I second that. I have seen – I have not seen enough out of Chukwi to convince me of anything otherwise to start. And the other thing, too, is I haven't been impressed with him. I, I know people were – impressed with him on his Tuesday night contender victory because of just the size, like he's just a frightening individual, but his Jamie Pickett victory, I mean, it could have gone either way. It was a slow sluggish decision. It, it doesn't, he's not a high volume striker. He tries to knock your head off. And, and I agree. I, I think that uh, park could be an underdog potential underdog play just with experience and if he loses the first one, 10-9, I think he could easily drop, win the second two. But it's definitely a pass for me. All right, everybody. I hope you're sitting down, listening to this, driving to work, whatever you're doing, because Danny's about to go on a rant. We got Ryan Benoit versus Zaruk Adeshev. And the line on this that a little bit. Danny, Danny came in. He's more excited to break down this fight than any fight he has in how long? <laughs> since since, since – yeah, what Since was the last for? time Ryan Benoit fought, uh, that was a fabulous card. I think everyone's going to remember it um, because I bought a flag that day. It was Cater versus Ige. It was the debut of one of my favorite all-time fighters, Hamzat Chimaev. It, it was 
his Darce choke to mission over John Phillips a fight. I think he outstruck John Phillips like 150 to one or something. Man, that was a fun fight. I, that was the same night we got that Lerone Murphy KO over Ricardo Ramos, but which I believe was our was our ankle lock. But nonetheless, his exact quote going into the night was, "I am more excited to break down this fight than I was the Hazmat fight." So, and there's a good reason. Adashi, people down, Danny. They got their Adashi. hard cash to play. He's, Go ahead. Adashi, he, he, he's a good fighter in his own right. Great kickboxer. Uh, him taking Sumu Derji, a guy who I have a ton of respect for. I was about to say, his losses. So his record's three and three for those listeners who are listening. You see that and you're like, what the fuck? Three and three UFC. His last two losses are against UFC caliber fighters. Sumu Derji. And who's the one before that, Danny? If you have it up? Uh, Tyson Nam. Tyson Nam. So, so he was a UFC fighter for a little while. And I believe he was ranked. He moved somewhere else. But yeah. So, so continue. Sorry. Yeah, not bad losses at all. Um, and him taking pseudo decision actually really impressed me. I think I was on a knockout that night. Um, but he, he is not a complete fighter. As you said, he's three and three professionally, not a ton of experience. Um, besides his kickboxing, there's a lot to be desired. And, and on the surface, Benoit is a good striker too. Uh, he most likely has the power advantage here. And as I mentioned, last time we saw him, it was, it was a special night debut of Hamzat. But he lost a robbery split decision that night to none other than Tim Elliott. I actually think I played Ryan Benoit pretty heavily. You did. You did. And um, I got into it with Tim after, afterwards. I, I told Tim he lost the fight. We quickly became friends. But that was an interesting match. It was a match where everyone thought, everyone in the world thought uh, that – Ryan would have the striking advantage and Tim would be the better grappler and that Ryan wouldn't have a chance on the ground. And that was not the case as Bedoy defended the majority of takedowns. He landed some of his own. He won the scrambles. He almost finished him with a knee bar, like off of a scramble and on top of dominating him on the feet. That's why I reached out to Tim and told him that he lost the fight that he won, even though he, he got both checks. Was Benoit that, did- was that the start of the Tim Elliott beef is my first question. The very beginning. The very beginning. So that was a monumental day in ankle pick history is just to start. Follow question. Was that actually a con- Was that, I don't remember the decision, but I remember being impressed with Benoit, but you said it was split. Uh, I a can pull up robbery. the cards off my, I, I thought it was robbery. I think that, a lot of people, a lot of journalists agreed with me. Um, but, I mean, Benoit, he's a guy, he, as I just said, a lot of people were saying that he wasn't a capable MMA grappler. This is a guy who spent years training under Henzo Gracie. Um, it was not a split decision. I'm sorry for misleading our, our listeners. No, you're but all right. The majority of the media, um, I think most of the MMA junkie, most of Sure Dog, mo- the majority of the media had it for Benoit. Well, the other thing too is he had a, his other loss before that, 2019 split decision loss to Alatang Haley, who we like here, but he's fighting about once a year, a little less in the UFC. And he's coming off two losses. So why is my question? 
Why? So Brian for me, I think that this is a great matchup for him. As, as I said, he's a good striker, and he gets mistakenly labeled for that's all he is. This is a guy who's trained under Henzo Gracie for years. In preparation for this specific fight, he spent the last six months with the Danaher death squad, literally the best grappling team in the world, headed by John Danaher, who was GSP's jiu-jitsu coach, gave Faraz Zahabi a black belt. I mean, the, the, the team is Gordon Ryan, Nick Ryan, Craig Jones, Gary Tonin, uh, Nicky Rod. I mean, it's, it's literally the best grapplers in the world. I, I see him using his grappling and, and just taking, dominating this fight. The guy's so capable on the feet. He can knock the shit out of Adasha if he wants to, but I see him mixing it up and just grapple when he needs to, strike when he needs to, maybe even wind up with a sub, a heel hook. If, if we're talking Dan or Death Squad, you spend 20 minutes with Craig Jones and you could heel hook anyone. <laughs> I, I, I'm excited for Benoit at minus 150. I was about to say, it's a 150 ticket to ride with DK Longhorn, MMA capper, ankle picker, whatever you want to call him. A minus 150 ticket isn't that bad to fly, to fly with him. Next fight on the card is, ooh, Ludovic Klein versus Mike Trezano. Trezano, Ludovic, Ludovic, how do you pronounce that? But he had a phenomenal yeah. fight his last time out. I've got it, Ludovic. Ludovic I'm not Klein confident. versus Mike Trezano. Trezano, the tough vet. Klein had a phenomenal knockout his last time out against um, Shane Young. Shane Young, the, the city kickboxing card. The line on that one is Klein minus 250, Mike Trezano plus 210. This is a tough one for me because it's a steep line and the jiu-jitsu practitioner is plus the big money, so it makes me want to take him. Um, Trezano, the jiu-jitsu practitioner, coming off the long layoff here, former tough winner. He has wins over legit UFC fighters, obviously a great grappler. But the thing, the thing is, Klein trains with Gilbert Burns. I don't see him getting just steamrolled on the mat here, um, especially not by a 145-er. Mm-hmm. He's a great striker, as we saw in his, his debut KO against Shane Young. Um, also, his great takedown defense. So I don't really see Trezano being able to dictate where this fight goes, even though he's the better grappler, which could be tough for a decision. Um, I, I, I think that it's Ludovic's to lose if he can keep this fight on the feet. And I think that he will. I have Klein as a parlay ad. That that was my big takeaway as a parlay ad. I don't know if you fully want to bet him at minus two fifty. I I probably will sprinkle a unit on it. I Danny, I agree with Danny that I do worry if it hits the mat. But you got to remember, Trezano. That was one of the worst talent levels of tough we've ever seen. I mean, Ty Clark is a is irrelevant. John Gunther had two chances. It was a joke. Joe Giannetti, he he never got a, in the UFC. He's fighting over in wherever the fuck PFL, I think, or LFA. And then Bob, Violent Bob Ross, who who is in the UFC, but he he squeaked out a split decision victory and then lost to Grant Dawson. So I think that. I, I don't know. I think 250 is a fine line. I just think a guy like Ludovic Klein is just I, – I think he he's probably going to slump in here. I, I think finish wouldn't even be that egregious of a bet. 
but I, I, I like Klein at 250 for sure. And it'll probably not bad at all. So continue trucking along these prelims. These are actually some fun prelims. Yeah. I'll just say for a fight that has such a downer of a main event, a random fight night as a precursor to a pay-per-view. Yeah. This is not bad. Next fight up is Phil Hawes versus Kyle Dawkins, the better Dawkins brother. And the line on this one, I remember from breaking it down from set the spread or at least talked about on set the spread. Kyle Dawkins minus 125, Phil Hawes plus 105. I remember losing a point here because I took Hawes as the favorite and put the ball in Danny's court. Danny, you were right. Dawkins is the favorite. Minus 125 as it sits right now was as high as minus 140. Yeah, and the reason he's the favorite is he he is a really good grappler. He should look to grapple from the get-go. Obviously, Hawes has power. He has power early. But he lacks cardio, and he tends to fade as the fight goes on against the Imovov. I was I was on Nazardine there, and I was shouting at my TV as Imovov was absolutely piecing him up in the second and third. And I was just Nazardine. wishing that I was wishing that this fight had a fourth and a fifth round. Yeah. Um, should Kyle survive the first or second hammer that connects? Because I do think Phil will land one or two. And Kyle is not. A, I mean, he is a really tough guy, so I'm not super worried. But I think that Kyle's going to be able to grapple his way to a victory here. Mm. I'm inclined to agree with you. For my taping this week, I spent a lot of time on the Dawkins brendan Allen fight. I wanted to break down. And I know you're like, why would you do that? The brendan Allen fight doesn't necessarily dictate any sort of style that Phil Hawes would do. It was more that I wanted to see, and this might not make sense to a lot of people, but I wanted to see how he does in deep waters. Because I do believe that Phil Oz is talented to take him in deep waters, whether it's a, a, a overhand right or a shot that rocks him or he needs to rely on his grappling or, or whatever. And Brendan Allen also is a strong individual, just like Phil Hawes. And I was, although it was a loss for him, I was impressed with what I saw. I think that if I was going to ride, I would ride Kyle Dawkins. But I, I think where I sit, I, I probably think I'm going to lay off this guy. But I'm with you. I think if it hits the mat, it's Dawkins' fight to lose. But it's hard to put your hard-earned cash on Dawkins because one punch could really end your night pretty quickly. If you want to get someone as strong as Phil. Yeah, Dawkins one unit maybe, half a uni for a little sprinkle, but nothing more than that. And then the the capper to the prelims, once again, the ones that start at 4 p.m. Central time is Ben Rothwell. Yes, Ben Rothwell. Versus Felipe Linz. And the line on that is Rothwell minus 115, Linz minus 105. And to get deeper in, it's actually over two and a half minus 175. So it looks like we're going to have a heavyweight barn burner decision. That That's fun, the, the way that the uh, over-under is laid out. Isn't I didn't it? know that going yeah. in. I wanted to mention that I saw that the other day when I was line shopping and I was like, what the, so it's not how I would have necessarily thought this fight to go, but Rothwell also since coming back from his suspension is has four or five decisions, OSP, Tabira, Orlovsky, and Ivanov. Only, yep, only quick victory Struve. was Stefan Struve, who, I mean, shortly thereafter retired and never really, was more than the skyscraper. So it's interesting. 
All right. Big Ben Rothwell, the man from Milwaukee, the king of Kenosha. <laughs> Obviously, he's big and strong. Um, I mean, he's got a veteran mentality and an IQ, healthy output, underrated ground game. For me, there's no way the PFL reject Felipe Linz is going to be able to hand, handle Big Ben, the king of Kenosha, 50 full fights of experience. Well, you can get it at even money. I think I think he'll see my card. I, wow. I love Ben Rothwell here. I love Ben Rothwell here. No, Rothwell's an absolute clown, and that OSP victory had me cracking the fuck up because it was just ridiculous. It was an it was Shrek the ogre fighting a two hundred five er who's talentless, and it was just the slowest barn burner I've ever seen. Uh, I I I. I agree with you. If it was anyone else, I would be inclined to try to fade Ben Rothwell, but not Felipe Linz. You were, uh, you will never see Felipe Linz on my card unless he's fighting a flyweight, and then even then, I would have to debate. Kobe, any opinion on your end? I also was going to end up seeing Rothwell, but uh... see, I do. You want to know why I asked you for this fight and none of the other prelims? Because I look at you, I could see you from across a crowded room. I'd be like, that guy likes Ben Rothwell. You know what I mean? I don't really like, like Ben Rothwell. That's the thing. I just think that, you know, when it comes to him grinding out a decision, I've seen it done over and over and over. I feel like he's just so big. I mean, anyone who so loves big. cheese curds loves Ben Rothwell. Man, well, bleed spotted cow. I he sweats that. grease from bratwurst. And he's got he's got like the neck beard of like we're talking like a Khabib level neck beard that he's just gonna grind that into you. Yeah, no, and, and it's going to make you itch. Don't get that twisted for even a second. But, I, I mean, I have a weird talent for those listeners who don't know me personally where I can walk into a crowded room and just be like, that guy fucks with this. You know what I mean? And, and, and I see Kobe, no matter where I'm at, a guy like Kobe, I walk in, I go, that guy likes Ben Rothwell. And I'm not wrong, and I'm never wrong on those things. So Rothwell will see Kobe's card. It looks like he's going to see DK Capper and Longhorn MMA's card as well. And, and I think I might just ride with the family just for the memes. Prelims out of the way. Kobe, country club. This is where I kick it over to you, sir. No changes in the order of operations here this evening. DK had the most points last week. Myself had the second most points. And a couple of goose eggs from uh, Reese Pohl and uh, Parker, wherever he is these days. Uh, I really think if I could get negative points last week, I probably would have done it. If there is a scenario to get negative points. If, if you, you traded every card a goose egg for a sweep on the actual card, you do that 100 times out of 100. 1 million percent of the time. I like getting funky with this game to try to make a name for myself. But uh, well, we I'm got thinking, our order I'm set. Thinking for, I'm thinking for season three of Ankle Pick Pod, I'm going to demand a game change. Okay, we're early in the 2021 season to start talking about game changers, but uh, <laughs> well, I don't like getting my, my ass kicked. Open. Week in and week out, I'm getting my ass kicked. Stop being so cute. I, you know what? Fine. And yes, he was talking about my looks, not my crazy bats on the props. Go ahead, take it, take take it away. I I I have nothing to say here. All right, I'll set you up, DK. Women's straw weight, first fight on the main card, Amanda Hebas and Angela Hill. Yeah, we we What's know Amanda. Line? 
We've got Hebas coming in as the favorite, minus 175, and Angel Hill plus 155. Ooh. So we know that Amanda is a phenomenal grappler. Uh, she's got impressive wins on her belt, both finishes and decisions. Uh, I am worried a little bit that she's going to have a slightly different mentality now that she's been brutally knocked out um, by our main event lady, Marina Rodriguez. Hill, a very fun fighter to watch. She's kind of the female cowboy, good boxer, great output, good footwork, hard to take rounds from her, uh, especially with that output. But she is capable of being sub if the fights hit the mat. Very, very questionable submission defense. Um, I, I, I think that Hebos just absolutely cannot get into a firefight with her. She must grapple every chance she gets. Um, I, I think I'm going to... I'm going to go with a Hebus by sub here. Plus 275. I was looking at that. I ended up just going Hebus by decision plus 145. Yeah. I am in a very similar vein. And I'm going decision. 145. I was going to... The thing with Angela Hill is... She has the experience factor that I like to weigh in on a lot. And Hebos coming off a knockout L is never great against a dog, no less. But it's hard to see Hill's path to victory with someone with that level grappling, Danny, because you're right. You, you, her submission defense is sus, to say the least. And it's like, I would be a fool to put to bet her as a dog at, at a price that low because that's that sub possibility is just always looming no matter where it goes in the fight if it hits the mat you're like i just lost i mean she, she's thing- been subbed she's been subbed yeah. by random marcos she's been subbed by uh rose nami Yunus. she's been subbed by carla esparza um just it's a lot of submission losses the other thing too i would like to add to those listeners who don't know most annoying voice in the game award goes to angela hill i i would be hard pressed to find anybody else her commentary in the UFC, I actually end up muting the TV because I'm like, she brings wise words to the table, but oh my gosh, we need a voice transplant on that girl. And she complains too much. Well, there you go. Just take a loss and, and like accept it's a loss. Don't complain. Look at that. F- food for thought from the ankle pickers. The boys. We're mucking up with the boys and making fun of a professional fighter. I love to see it. Next fight on the main card, Diego Ferreira and Gregor Gillespie. Gillespie coming in at the favorite, same line as the previous fight. Minus 175 Gillespie, plus 155 Ferreira. Carlos Diego Ferreira is a guy I'm a big fan of. Uh, he's a veteran, great jujitsu, decent enough hands. He's been working on him a while. They've come a long way. Um, the thing is for me is – we saw CDF versus Benny, and in the grappling department, he kind of got ragdolled. He couldn't really pass or sweep or advance positions. And you got Gregor standing across from him, who is a phenomenal, a world-class wrestler, levels ahead of Benny, even though I have a ton of respect for Benny. Um, I see him grinding out a decision here, as long as he doesn't let himself to get into a firefight, which he should be doing everything in his power to not after that crazy Kevin Lee finish. Um, I think that if, if you want to just play fight goes the distance listeners minus 155, that's a good play on top of that. 
I think Gregor Gillespie minus 175 is a good play. You throw them two together, and what do we get? Gregor Gillespie by decision plus 150. So I I don't want to jump you, Kobe, but but here I'm go. also I'm also on Gillespie by decision, but I have a plus 150. But Danny, I have a question for you. You mentioned fight to go to decision by minus 155. If Ferreira was to win this fight, wouldn't you imagine his only path to victory would be submission? Like, maybe not, but I... Do I don't know. S- I just don't see Gregor getting subbed. He's yeah. such a talented grappler. I know, I know, but I don't see him getting knocked out by a guy like Ferreira. I don't. And if... if, if right. A terrible if, judge is, is my is my route to victory for CEF well, here. Okay, that, that, that's that, why I could play Gregor no. as an ankle lock if we wanted. A terrible I was just, judge. Is my I was route more to wondering. I was more. I agree. I was more asking the by decision aspect because are you basically saying you don't see Gregor getting the finish? I don't. And I see him. I see him entering the first round super cautiously. I don't even know if we'll see these guys touch it for until like a minute and a half in. Yeah. Um, but I see him winning all three of these rounds with with. I agree. Just great, great wrestling. He's gonna wear on him, wear him out. Wet blanket. Gregor's a phenomenal grappler. I agree. I just I, I I posed the question because one fifty five for fight goes to decision. One set one seventy five. If you want to just ride Gregor straight up, why why differentiate? That's like for the listeners. Why would you choose to let's say do a unit on each instead of just two units on Gillespie? Um. You know what? I, I don't have the best answer. I think Gregor Gillespie is going to dominate this fight. I just think that fight doesn't go the distances as safe as you can possibly play. Yeah, I was thinking like almost as a hedge where there's no way Ferrer subs him because we both agree that Gregor Gillespie is just too knowledgeable on the ground. He's not going to knock him out. So basically you can use it as a hedge where you pay the 20 cents. If Gregor gets the finish – you get a victory there and you lose a little bit on your hedge. And if it goes to decisions, you're not actually worried because you'll get a little bit of your Gregor bet back because fight went to decision was my thought. You was my logic hearing that because I, I like that. That makes sense. I like, I like staggering, but that was, just I think that's betting. where my brain went. I just couldn't articulate it. So well, that was the you, betting Reese. perspective. No, you bet, that was the betting perspective I saw. And I wanted to lay it out for the listeners because a lot of people might be like, well, Ferrer doesn't have a chance to victory. Why not just hammer it all on Gillespie? What I would say is do three units on Gillespie, one unit on the fight goes to decision. If the fight go- doesn't go to decision, the only way that happens is if Gregor pounds his ass, right? And you still win anyways. And if it does go to decision, you get rawed by bad judging or a weird fluke decision. Well, you hedge some of your bet now because you have it to go to decision. It's, it's just rock and roll. Perfect. Sorry, Kobe. I saw an opportunity to interject and teach and I had to do it. What's your pick on this guy? I am just going to take the minus 175. So you had more than enough time to think about it. So if you had no answer, I was going to slap you in the teeth, D. Well, to be honest, I had an answer. It was Gillespie in the distance prior to y'all's announcement. Oh! So I changed it to just Gregor. Straight up, minus 175. Look at that. We've got a heavyweight fight coming up next on the card. Rogerio de Lima, or I'm sorry, Rogerio, Marcos Rogerio de Lima and Maurice Green 
DeLima is minus 190. Mo Green plus 165. Dan, go for it. Marcos Rogerio DeLima, interestingly enough, has flip-flopped win-loss, 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 win-loss for the last seven years. <laughs> and he's coming off of a loss. So let that tell you whatever you want. Um, but in all reality, Green is going to come in here with a big size advantage, a big Reese advantage. He's an underrated grappler. A Reese advantage? A Reese advantage. A Reese advantage? Thanks, <laughs> I'm talking about size here. We know, you, we know you're all size and experience, just like your ladies. Oh, I'm, I'm all size. Just ask the girlfriend. I'm all size. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, no, but I see Harry DeLima coming out hard, coming out fast. If he doesn't get an early finish, he's going to crumble. But this is a guy, Maurice Green, who also tends to crumble and gas out. I really can't trust either of these guys. I'm almost expecting a slop fest by the second round. The key word there was by the second round. I'm taking over one and a half plus 115. Um, I'm just going to say this is a slop fest. I'm just going for a Hail Mary here. Fight goes to decision plus 260. Okay. I'm happy with the way those went out. I'm going to take Mo Green as the dog. And I actually have a, I actually have somewhat confidence here. Reason why I'm just going to take the plus line. Reason why is because I, I don't worry about a submission with Mo Green and Delima and Delima kind of has the a, a glass chin I, I won't lie to you he kind of has that glass chin and I've seen him give up in there and I think that Mo Green with the long lanky arms if it hits the mat I'm not scared and if it stays standing I see a KO and I, I think if if it goes to decision even I, I think Mo Green with volume might get it done so I'm gonna go Mo Green at the dog I mean, that's not – it's not a bad play. Even a green by sub play might be not terrible. You look no. at it, the flip-flops of DeLima, the forearm choke for Momonov, Struve arm triangle. No, it's on there. from SP. you got Godzimarad on Tigalov guillotining him. I think, oh. his, I think all of his last six – all of his last seven losses are subs. Rear naked choke that. 2014 – Rear naked choke 2015, rear or guillotine choke 2016, Von Flu choke 2017, 2019 arm triangle, 2020 forearm choke. It seems like if you if you if you like green, just take the the free money. And you don't up. and you don't see that often with a Brazilian, but for some reason Delima just defies all logic. So with that, but but so that's what I wanted to mention was just uh yeah, that. I think I'm just going to ride green as the dog. Go ahead, Cobe. Jeff Neal, Neil Magny. We've got a Neil matchup here. This one is currently sitting at Jeff Neal, minus 190, Neil Magny, plus 165. I said it on the uh, set the spread. These guys are very similar to me. They're both rangy strikers, decent wrestling. Um, I, I think the power advantage goes to Jeff Neal. While the clinch advantage goes to Neil Magny. Um, but the more I studied this, the more I think that Jeff needs to knock him out to get this dub. 
I kind of see this being a dirty fight, ugly fight, a lot of clinch time against the fence with Magny grabbing two rounds in the decision. I'm going to take the dog here, Magny. Um, I'm trying to decide if I want to get really cute and go just Magny dog price or Magny by decision. I think I'm just going to go Magny. Uh, this won't see my card as it, from a betting standpoint. This is just a really interesting matchup, and I'm interested to see how it goes down. I'm going to take Jeff Neal in the distance, plus 165. Same number as just straight Magny's dog position, interestingly enough. Um, I'm going to just – I'm just going to take – what did you take, Kobe? Jeff Neal in the distance. Okay. I'm going to go Neil Magny and I'm going to do it by decision. I don't know if that line's out yet. I think it's 265 is what I wrote down on my notes. Give me 265 for Magny by decision. I think the long lanky veteran is going to wear on him and maybe pull off that dog. Looks like we're in agreement there, but I like it. What did you take? You just take Magni. I just straight. took Magni because I was a little yeah. sketched, but I just don't I, see. A, I do think it'll be a decision if he gets it done. Maybe a sub. Yeah. Something interesting. Comain recently announced. This was one we didn't have a spread for on Monday when we were doing set the spread. Reese thought Alex Morono would be favored. Dan thought Cerrone would be favored. Dan took the set the spread win this week and he would have iced it because Cerrone is your favorite coming into this. Reese took the win this week, sadly enough. Oh, did I mix that up? Damn. Reese took the win this week, sadly enough, but what do you even moral victory? Cerrone minus 185, Morono plus 160. Yeah, this one was originally scheduled as the uh, Cowboy Diego main event, a fight that was much easier to cap for me in my opinion obviously um you just never know what version of cowboy we're gonna get who's gonna show up that day he hasn't grappled in an mma fight in years meanwhile two months ago he tapped out rda twice in one month he has all the tools in his toolkit to beat morono he just hasn't shown all them in a while and and the way I look at this matchup, it, I feel like it's just coming down to who do I trust more to have the best version of themselves come out and, and, and compete that day. I think I trust the better version of Morono to come out than the better version of Cowboy. It's, we've seen Cowboy in the past. The Nick Lenz fight, he, he was had zero head movement. He's kind of had this like – friendly mentality with it with with all of his fights whether it was the mcgregor whether it was the pettis even the nico price he's kind of been like all buddy buddy with with the guys he's fighting and i think that that hurts his mentality it kind of takes away from his killer instinct and i think that morono is going to show up with a better attitude have the better version of himself that night i'll take the dog price alex morono 155 I am also on Morono, unless that line's changed since 30 minutes ago. I thought it was plus 160, though. Give me the extra points. I'm all cool. I'll double check. Either way, I'm on Morono. I'm on – I'm on uh, – I was going to be on Morono, mainly because for the set the spread, I actually 
had Morono as the favorite in our hypothetical. And I was way off. And so if I was going to take him plus 130 or if I liked it at plus 130, I got to like it at plus 160. I don't think Morono gets a finish, though. So I'm going to get cute, and I'm going to do Morono wins by decision plus 255. I think the extra 80 cents or whatever the fuck is worth it. 95. There you go. Give it to me. Here is our main event of the evening. We've got – Marina. You don't sound too thrilled about this main event. This isn't the main event that all kids want and wait for. By the time the Cerrone Morono fight's over, I'm going to be ready to pack the bags and head to Houston. So, <laughs> Marina Rodriguez, Michelle Waterson. This one is Rodriguez minus 200, Waterson plus 170. DK. Yeah. I, I think I tipped my hand in, in the set the spread episode. I've already given my method, I've already given away my pick. Michelle Waterson, a rangy karate-style striker. Terrible. Maybe the worst in the UFC men's or women any weight distance management. She likes to throw shots that miss by multiple feet, multiple yards even. Rodriguez, the much better striker of the two, also has a major power advantage. Will move forward. Piece Michelle up. Look for her to have a bloody face. She hits hard. This is five rounds. The only path to victory I see for Waterson is a sub. And, and we saw against Hebos, we saw... Uh, we saw Rodriguez play a full round in full guard against Hebas. If she was going to get subbed, she was going to get subbed there by an actual world-class grappler, not a karate-style whatever the hell Michelle Waterson fitness model, whatever she's doing these days. Um, she's getting the... Rodriguez is getting this KO, TKO, plus 275. Uh, she, I mean, she, she knocked out Amanda Hebas twice in her last fight, thanks to Herb Dean. Got the finish. Herb ran in, didn't touch him. And we were like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? I'll just knock this bitch out again. It took another 30 seconds. Danny knows women's MMA so well. So for that reason, I'm going to tail him and go, Watterson, just straight dog price, plus 170. I'm going to take Watterson by decision, plus 260. Come on. Come on. I, I just love the fact that the buy decision adds so much value to the underdog. I don't see Waterson finishing her. And she, I know Danny's big gripe with her. She throws strikes so far out of range, which is true, but that stops her from getting uh, finished and, and could add points to the scorecard if it gets there. We're in the apex cage. She's got nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Not- Marina Rodriguez is coming. <laughs> I think there's more fearful people I worry about coming. All right. Well, silence. Wrap things up. (laughs) Silence. We'll check people out in Houston. Come find us in Houston. Tweet at us. We'll come find you. We'll get you some, we'll get you a business card. Yeah. We got business cards printed out for UFC Houston. If you're there, tweet at us. Got some merch to give away. Meet and greets, merch, the whole nine yards. You hate my picks? Come tell me in person. I would love the beef. It would be, it'd be a blast. I'd get good yucks out of there. So is that it, boys? Oh, ah. Oh, ah. Oh, ah.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.